There we go. Look at that. Anyways, um, so if you want to watch it afterwards. Yeah. Oh, cool. Look at the video. Yeah. Send it to Elise. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Do we watch it? You got that? You got the? Um, did you get the recording last week? Okay, fine. Last time. Okay, great. The, uh, yeah. To sleep meditation was really good. Is it really good? Yeah, used to work. Mm. Wow. Mm. Amazing. It's a good sign. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess before we start, kind of continuing with what Jim was saying, has anyone had any thoughts from uh, last week's meditation lesson, which was all about eating more purposely, sleeping, sleeping better, working harder, working deeper? Working more spiritually. More spiritually. The eating part was like, kind of connected to that. Eating part was connected to. I kind of connected to the eating part, to eating more purposefully. Mm. Right, right, right. And I felt like I was able to really put that into practice. Um, that was good. Wow. Amazing. I was, uh, so I was reading the part on eating, and I've got a bowl of grapes here, and I'm just. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah, that's how we work. I definitely felt appreciation for sleeping when I was like, it was a day that just a lot of crazy stuff happened and it was stressful, and I'm like, well, now I get to go to bed and just start over the next day. You know, refresh. Right. Right. And it's very powerful. It's very powerful. Right. Yeah, just, you know, wipe the slate clean the next morning. Right. Good thing we're not a shark, right? That was the, mm. that's what we said last time. All right. So, today's, uh, today's meditation will be totally different than everything till now. And I'll start off with a short story is that there was this uh, child psychologist who recently uh, paved his driveway, put in, put in the new concrete, and suddenly uh, his kid runs into the freshly fresh concrete and makes deep footsteps all in the concrete, right? <laughs> what? You did that? Okay, so it's always a good thing. Um, so he, he, the kid makes all the, you know, all the footsteps in the concrete, and the child psychologist uh, starts screaming at his kid. And his wife turns to him and says, uh, you know, you're so good at handling kids, what's happening? You're a child psychologist. She said, I'm good at handling kids in the abstract, but not in the concrete. <laughs> so... so <laughs> So, on, on that note, um, tonight's lesson is going to be, you see on the screen, uh, lesson six, will be uh, Mind and Matter, the Influences of Meditation on Practice and Practice on Meditation, meaning we're going to bring concrete action into our meditation. To explain that a little bit, is that so far, our meditations, you could put into this category 
the category of cognitive exercise, right? It was all how to live deeper. That was so far, how to eat deeper, sleep deeper, more spiritual into my life. And it all goes on in the mind. And tonight, we're gonna go on a different track and we're gonna say the action could be a meditation. Sometimes doing something could be a meditation, which is really cool, all right? This is different than the regular uh, path of meditation. Um, right, that's what we're gonna be going for. And the question we really uh, have to ask ourselves is, really how central is meditation in Judaism at all? Kind of a little bit touching on David's question, but we, we said in the beginning that it's very important but the question is a different question tonight. Not how important it is, but how central is it? Which means, it, something could be important, but it could be number three on the list. It's important, but it's number three. But what's number one in Jesus? And what would you say is number one? Which you see on your on page 182 in your books. It's like a short exercise. Um, on a scale of one to five, Estimate the centrality of each of the following to Judaism. Like what, um, could put a one being a number one, the first, and five being the least, right? It's not so central. So if I asked you, what is the most central thing in Judaism? Would it be action values, faith, or mindfulness? Is it ranked or um, ties? I guess you can make some ties. It's up to you, as you wish. All right, anyone want to share what they think? Faith is first. So, action. Yeah, faith. Oh, faith, faith. Faith is number one. Yeah, faith. Mm. I would say all five. <laughs> all, five all five are very important. <laughs> so, they're, they're like all... They're faith all, right. is the first. Women, faith would be number one. Yeah. All right. And then mindful awareness. Maybe? Right. Oh. Or third, second action. So you put faith first, second action. All right. So anyone want to um, agree or disagree? No, mindful about second and third. Oh, so first faith, second action. No, first faith, yeah. Yeah. Maybe second mindful awareness. All right. Which is what, which is really what we're doing tonight. Mm -hmm. I put uh, action first and uh, all of the other three at the same uh, level of significance as action. All right. It's all the same. Or if someone had something else on the list which they think is number one in Judaism, you know? I put action, like Joel said, but I also think values are <clears throat> right up there as well. Right. I think action number one, and then um, and then faith, and yeah. then, then the other ones like kind of beneath that. Right. 
So what's interesting is I feel like this is what's different in Judaism than all other religions. That most religions, um, number one is faith. That's what I would say. You know, do you believe in the religion? Um, but what's interesting is I would say Judaism, um, faith is obviously very important, but I would say Judaism action would be number one. Is if you look how many commandments are in the Torah. And faith is also a commandment, but it's, but it's one of them. And then you have another 613, which most of them, 98% of them are action. Which I would say that's what's a little bit different about Judaism than, which, which is kind of a little bit taking you away from what we're doing. We're trying to be mindful, right? And seemingly, if, if you want to be straight up and objective, that's what, that's what I think, right? Um, uh, and we can see this actually in uh, text number one on page 183. Joel, would you like to... 183? Yeah. Uh, text number one. Yeah. The essential thing is not study, but deed. Right. So... Someone who observed Judaism from the outside, especially, what do you see? The Jews are doing this and they're doing that, right? So many rituals and behaviors, and you would say it's almost like a action, a, a mainly action religion fueled by belief. Maybe I'll put it like that a little bit. Um, so, and that's what we're gonna change tonight, is that really, really we're gonna discover how, even though action may seem number one, action really is a meditation. That's, that's what we discovered. So really, meditation is number one in Judaism. So really, uh, what Ellie was saying about faith and, and mindfulness is really number one. Because we're going to discover how action is a meditation. Right? Which, which is really cool. Um, and if you look on the screen, it's, we're going to have to redefine meditation. All right? or really rediscover what was meditation the whole time. So, what is meditation? The effort to purposely focus your mind and develop a deep awareness to achieve a desired result, right? To focus your mind and your heart to change yourself a little bit, all right? Now, think about it for a second. What, 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 is, the, what is the purpose over here? We wanna achieve a desired result in my feelings, in my emotions, in my mind. As long as I get there, it doesn't matter the process. So let's say I change the word mind to the word actions, right? My actions, what if my actions changed my heart and my mind? So actions really become a meditation, right? And that's how we're gonna discover tonight how. How, how, does that, how does that work? But really, they could be a meditation, just like mind and heart, and it, and, which could be, a, in a way, a slower, longer process. So this could be maybe like a quick, easy, easier, uh, quicker process, maybe a little harder. <laughs> Um, all right. So we have a question for everyone here tonight on page 184. Um, all right, David, would you like to read the question? Sure. You see it on page uh, 184? Yeah. Um, it is a mitzvah for a Jew to hear the shofar sounded on Rosh Hashanah, but a particular Jewish couple are unaware of this obligation and intend simply to go for a stroll. They happened to pass the synagogue, and by a stroke of providence, the shofar sounded just at that moment. Its plaintive wail is heard by the couple on the street. Have they fulfilled the mitzvah of hearing the shofar? <laughs> yeah, so the question is, they happen to do a good deed, a mitzvah, 
but by chance. They weren't trying to. Question is, have they done the action? I think so. No. All right. Would you like to share uh, why, you, why you think not? Yeah, because it was quite by accident or providence that they happened to hear the shofar. <laughs> Great, you know, right. that just landed in their lap. But I don't think they took any action on their part to actively seek hearing the show yeah. on Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. In their minds and their hearts, they didn't do something. In, 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 their, in their presence, in their state of being, they didn't do anything. It was just put upon them. That's what I think. All right. All right. Um, anyone else have any thoughts? <clears throat> I mean, I don't know, because what if is in a similar story, it happens to be Friday night and I forgot and I just lit some candles, then did you fulfill the mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles? Very good. So there, the same, same question. But no, because there it's, I think what Jim was getting at is that it, there was no ac action on their part. Oh, right? uh -huh, like but that would, would be a different scenario. Right, because uh -huh. right, you're actively doing something. Right, right. The commandment is to hear it. Yeah. It doesn't mean with intentionality, it doesn't mean with concentration. So if they're passing by and hearing it, they're fulfilling the mitzvah. Okay, because that's the commandment, right? Um, you filled all the rules in the book. The rule in the book says, uh, hear it and you heard it. That's what, that's what Joel's going with, all right? What if you happen to be mostly deaf like I am? And you don't really hear her. I mean, how can you even... Right. Uh, well, you then if you didn't hear it, if you didn't hear it, then I guess you didn't fulfill the... Even though commandment. you were there present in the room in the synagogue where it was being blown. Right. Have oh, that's a, also another interesting fact. Yeah. Have my, yeah. <laughs> my deaf self fulfilled my mitzvah. Right. No, that's an interesting question. Um, in a way, or, or maybe sometimes people, it's not possible for them to do a certain mitzvah. Um, we shouldn't know such things. Some people, if they're missing an arm, you know, they can't do the mitzvah of tefillin. You know, some people, they can't even try as much as they can to do it. So, that, so then what? Is it like they did it or is it like they didn't do the mitzvah, you know? Which I think that goes to, that go, that's going to lead us down a different track. So, um... What about intention? They intend to, and right. maybe they have a prosthetic, oh, what if they, they, a prosthetic arm or something. Yeah. And, and... So this is this would be the other side of the coin. Let's say someone really wants to, he really wants to, but for some odd reason, the last step isn't, the action isn't being done. This would be the other, you're asking the question the other way around, basically. Let's say someone really wants to, but the, it's not playing out. Um, which well, is a good I'm question. I'm saying they've taken action. They're in the synagogue and the shofar's being blown. Right, right. I think they fulfilled their own whether the hearers are able to pick up that sound. Well, the question is, could they, could they go closer and, and hear it a second time? Could they go closer? Could they, get, could they yeah. Would well, they, they have a... I have like 75-80% hearing loss, okay? <laughs> right. Um, so I, I can hear it so far, but um, I have a niece who, uh, mother had rubella, and she can't hear anything. Bomb could go off, she wouldn't hear it. Um, if you're in synagogue by intention, right. And the chauffeur was blown. Would right. she f be fulfilling her mitzvah obligation? Right. Uh, that's a good question. I think she would. All right.
So what's interesting is that what you're going with is basically the, sorry, what we're going with is that it's going basically based off intent, both ways. That if the guy, if they're walking down the street, but it was put upon them, they weren't intending, you were saying, um, uh, they didn't do the mitzvah. And the other way around, you're saying also as well that if they, they intend to, but for some reason they can't, they also fulfill the mitzvah. You, for you, this, you're saying the main thing is the intent. All right. And yeah, sorry, I'll go. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I was uh, thinking that all these examples has an action. It actually has an action, but it doesn't have that the other values like uh, mindful awareness, faith, and uh, values on the action. So action itself doesn't mean anything. Like, like whatever, you, for example, that your example, you lighting the candles. Right. But and you, you don't do it for, for a reason for Shabbat or to pray to uh, say thanks or right. whatever. Just doing the, the things, it doesn't mean that uh, it has a value so right. like this action. Right. Okay, but isn't there mindful awareness before the action? In other words, in my niece's case, she had a mindful awareness to be present for the show. Yes, yeah, sure. Even though she can't hear it. Yeah, yeah, it's a different case. Well, yeah. there's that mindful awareness. So I agree with you that the mm -hmm. mindful awareness is right. preceding action. I think you're both you're both saying the same thing. You're both yeah. on the same side of the coin. Um, so we have Team Jim and Ellie versus Team David and Joel. I think. <laughs> Unless I think anyone I, else. Well, I think I was on Team Joel and uh, David as well. Okay, fine. But I might be shifting sides because it's and and well, because I'm thinking about another example of putting on tefillin, right? So if you're just completely passed out and asleep, and someone puts tefillin on your arm, I feel like that clearly doesn't count as putting on tefillin. But then, if you're totally asleep, to hear what the yeah, but then, okay, fine. But then, you know, if you're walking down the street and some uh, Chabadnik is like, have you put on tefillin today and, and hounds you down? What if you're someone who knows almost nothing about Judaism or literally nothing about Judaism, but you're Jewish and you have no idea what tefillin is and you have no, you have no idea what's happening? Like, does that mitzvah count? And sort of where does the line draw? Like, how aware of the mitzvah do you need to be? in order for it to count, if we're saying intent matters. Right. So, you know, being totally asleep, maybe that doesn't, well, I guess, Joel, you would say that that does count. Right. So, so I think you want to you, you go on the side that you do need a little bit of intent. Yeah, I feel like you do question need intent. The question is how much is, yeah. what you're, is what you're asking. Yeah. The question is how much. All right. Uh, Ofer and Emil, you want to take sides before <laughs> we... <laughs> it's more the action. The action. Okay, fine. Yeah, I think no, there, yeah. no intention is necessary for it to count, but it's like the worst possible, like it's, it's a spectrum, you know, like I think about mm -hmm. a crane and you can be like rattling off a prayer and completely have your mind somewhere else, which is like not ideal, <laughs> but it's like you're still, I think, fulfilling it. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, better than that would be that you're present with it and like right. not having one over and then better than that is like, your heart is in it and your like emotions and you're like you know contemplating you you know like there's sort of levels i think but i do think it is even with the zero like the worst case scenario i think still the action probably would, would work or yeah. I think okay. It does. I all right okay yeah. i agree with it yeah okay <laughs> okay fine i think we have four against three whatever okay so which is great this is really great it's incredible um, because everything that was said here is actually this, the discussion in the Talmud, and people, everyone in the Talmud takes sides. 
and everyone is arguing and saying why they're right and the other one's wrong. And, you know, and it gets really, you know, hyped, you know, hyped up and intense, you know. I can imagine how it's going on. Everyone's arguing, throwing tuna salad. You're wrong. You don't know what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, but they come to a final conclusion. Um, all right, Ofer, would you like to? Does Sorry. the Talmud always have to come to a final conclusion? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Sometimes it says the word teku, uh, which means you don't know. Um, which, uh, which means the answer will be answered when Messiah comes. But we haven't uh, figured it out ourselves. Leave it in his hands. Uh, yeah. But this, they actually do come to a conclusion in the, to the halacha. And, but, but, both, but both sides do have value. This is what's important. The way it works in Talmud is once a halacha was decided with one opinion, that doesn't take away the value of the other opinion. The other opinion is still valuable. And in fact, we say that when Mashiach comes, sometimes the halacha will change. And the only reason why we're not going with that other valuable opinion now is because we're in a certain uh, life zone right now that we can't live up to such a halakha, such a ruling, but when Mashiach comes, we will be able to. And we, So just because we follow one thing doesn't mean the other one doesn't have value. But for now, let's see what the other one is. Ready? Ofer, would you like to read uh, page 185? All right. Uh, to fulfill a mitzvah obligation, we must actively intend to observe that mitzvah. Therefore, if we observe a mitzvah unwittingly or for purpose other than to perform a mitzvah, we have not fulfilled a mitzvah at all. Some Torah authorities disagree and opine that mitzvot do not require intent and are fulfilled even when performed unwittingly. However, the final law sides with the former opinion. For the former opinion. Thank you, Ofer. Which one's the former opinion? Intent. 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 Someone does something with intent, without intent, he has not done the mitzvah. The question is what level of intent, but that's a whole other discussion. But we'll just take it for face value that you need intent, some level of intent. All right? Um, which is important to note, there are a few exceptions, and it, we could really go on to it for, in a long, on a long journey. And what if, what if someone didn't perform without an intent is really totally meaningless. Um, so that's a whole another discussion. So, right but, off, yeah. Sorry. yeah. When the picture shows uh, Lula escrow, mm -hmm. you know, I always have a hard time to connect to this symbolism, whatever. So when do you be actually doing this, do you actually intend the, what are you intending? Right. Um, the, the simple, well, there's, there's a lot of meditation, and that's what we're going to discover right now, actually. What is the intention of it? So, very good question. What is the intention? Now we're, when you do the etrogen, etrogen, and do it this way, or that, that way, way. Oh. do you have any intention? Do you have, like... What, what is the intention? What's the intention? Right. I mean, it's just action. Well, well it's, usually, it's usually we're, we're going to the four corners, or all directions. That's, that's the idea. You want to shake it in all different directions. Um, because part of... The mitzvah, the mitzvah of lulav, is to that it has to be shaped. You have to shake it, not just hold it. So once we're shaking, we shake it in all four directions. Why all, why all four directions? Why why to all the corners? Um, I don't know. Maybe to spread 
Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there is. I would have to do further research on that. Um, but we're gonna find out the core meditation behind every single mitzvah. Um, all right, and the, what we just discovered, as you see on the screen, is the question is, has the mitzvah been fulfilled? Let's say there was no intention and there was action. Nope, it's meaningless. But if there was intention, then then it's a meaningful mitzvah. So this is the key that's going to change us to look at action in a different way. Imagine you're driving down the road and, and you're going 50 miles per hour on a 50 mile per hour road. Cop pulls you over. The cop says, I see you're going 50 in a 50 mile per hour zone. And you say, yeah, what's the issue? He said, did you intend to go 50 miles per hour, or you're just driving and you happen to be going 50. <laughs> so, obviously the cop doesn't care. Because a lot of rules, and civil rules, are just so that you follow the rules. We don't care why, as long as you keep us safe. But this is changing our whole view on, on mitzvahs, on actions. God doesn't want us to follow the rules. God's kind of stopping us when we're doing mitzvahs saying, hey, do you actually want to do this? It's it's not mitzvahs are not just for us to do the rules. There's a lot much. There's a lot deeper aspect to it, and what you see on the screen, the purpose of a of a mitzvah must be beyond just doing the right thing, because why would you why would you care if we intend, right? Um, and the question is, why does he care that we intend? What is the purpose? Obviously, obviously, it's not the behavior. But question is, what is the purpose of a mitzvah? And that's what we're going to discover right now uh, with your help. So on exercise 6.2, 186, maybe uh, each of you could give me a little bit of insight to why we do, what, what is the reason for the intention? What is the intention? Um, so identify two mitzvahs that you recently performed or one, or you can think of it, either one between one and your fellow person or one for God. And what, what were you trying to accomplish? What was what was the point of it exactly? Uh, and if and if you did it for no reason, then then I guess. All right, this, if anyone feels comfortable <coughs> to share, uh, please share. Um, so that way we could, uh, it will help us on our journey. All right. Yesterday was trash pickup day. So sometimes I notice some of my neighbors forget to take their cans out. And I know the trash truck's gonna come at eight o'clock in the morning. 
So as I see that and I check and their cans get stuffed in and I bring it out to the street for them. And, and he, sometimes they forget later because they're supposed to be on the street in 24 hours or something, so I bring it back in for them. So um, my intention of why do I do it? I do it because I feel like it's helping them, like they forgot. They already forgot something. I remembered it for them without, wow. the, without the mask. Right. Amazing. So much my neighbors did that. <laughs> See? There you go. <laughs> my neighbors like me. <laughs> there you but go. I call a mitzvah like God in action, you know? Like, yeah, for sure. That's a mitzvah, right? If God could, like, yeah. take, o- take over my body and do something. Yeah. Of course. You know, with my eyes. All right. Anyone else would like to share something? Uh, I wanted to just go back for a second. Okay, fine, sure. So, if I tell my accountant, take 10% and send it to this charity, that charity, and the other charity, I don't even know when it happens. I don't want to know when it happens. I just want to know that it happens. I haven't fulfill the mitzvah of doing charity? So, um, first of all, I believe charity is the one exception. One of the, look at that. <laughs> the Jews conveniently That's figured that fair. one out, huh? That's not fair. <laughs> but besides that, um, you did have intention. You didn't know, I guess the question is what is intention? Because you knew that it's happening, you didn't know the exact moment that it's happening, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the 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 base level. The intention which, was that it happens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. It, it's a it's a very it's a very basic awareness of what is happening. Like, you know, not that like if someone you know is putting on tefillin, but they think they're taking their blood pressure. It was a mix up. They were at the doctor. They thought they're taking their blood pressure, right? So then no, they didn't fulfill the mitzvah. But if they just know that this is some. Jewish thing that I'm trying to do. Uh, that's that's already like good enough. That's already like the idea. Uh, the basic opposite to what I thought I've been taught. Right. Um, yeah. I, I also discovered a lot in this. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, but obviously, what we're going with here is once there's intention, there, it brings a deeper purpose to the entire idea of a mitzvah. Everything is changed now because why do you need intention? Why does God care? Must mean there's it's not behavioral, it's something deep. Right. So anyone else has something to share about the intention? Let's see if Ralph thought of drinking weeding. The intention is to be taken. Alright, very good. Amazing. Which was yeah, that was that was last week's class. Wow, look at that. <laughs> you knew the whole thing without being here. Um, true. There you go. Um, and right now we're gonna discover um, a deeper intention to all the mitzvahs. Right, one that applies equally everywhere. And like you see on the screen, what is the purpose of a mitzvah? What is the point? Obviously not behavioral, so we're just scratching that out. If someone tells you it's a list of things to do, that's definitely not what what it is, right? I think we all knew that though. Um, and like everything like we've been going on so far is when you want to know something, you just gotta redefine what the word is. When you redefine something, when you look at something, something that's thrown around, the word mitzvah, it's thrown around. But if we translate the word, 
Yeah? Mitzvah. It's called the word. So, so which, it just, it, it's a Hebrew word, which is thrown around a little bit. The question is, what, what, what does it mean? And this is going to shed light on everything here. Um, so what would you say? What would be the translation of the word mitzvah? Um, a, simple, a simple translation would be a good deed. Or the simple translation would be a commandment from God. All right. But in Aramaic, it actually has a different meaning. It means connection. That's what the word sav, mitzvah sav, means connection. So when you're doing a mitzvah, who are you connecting with? When you're doing a commandment, who are you connecting with? So obviously, the person performing the action is connecting with the one who requested the action. So there's a connection over there. So that's the deeper meaning behind a mitzvah. And um, Jim, would you like to read us text three on page 186? The word mitzvah means a connection, as in the Aramaic term. It says, I don't know. Yeah, tzatzah, yeah. Yeah, attach it, join. One who performs a mitzvah bonds with God's very self, for God is the issuer of the commandment. Uh, read on, I guess. This is the significance of our sage's statement. The reward of a mitzvah is the mitzvah. Um, let's see, <clears throat> the bonding of the mortal who performs the commandment with the infinite God who issued the commandment is in itself the greater reward, the greatest reward. Thank you, Jim. So obviously it's a very confusing statement. The reward of a mitzvah is a mitzvah, right? You see on the screen that I, I feel like that almost makes no sense. The service, the reward of the service is the service. <laughs> Thank you. That, that wasn't the reward, that was the service part, right? That was, that was, that was the hard part. Now tell me what the reward is, right? <laughs> so actually, it's because the second time we say the word mitzvah, it doesn't mean, the, it doesn't mean commandment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks for taking that thing out. No worries. <laughs> but I think there's a good feeling. I don't know, I feel good right Oh, very good, very good. So the feeling good. The feeling good, and why do you feel good? Which would be the, the the reason behind it, or as we're proposing here, would be the relationship, the connection, right? Like you see on the screen, the reward of the mitzvah is not the second word means the relationship, the connection, and the feeling good. We're going to tie that in later. Um, oh, because and, and that's why we need intent when we do a mitzvah. Why do we need intent? Because God wants to make the connection. Try, try making a connection with someone when there's no intent. So, anyone read the book, uh, The Five uh, Love Languages? Or heard of it? Mm -hmm. Very good. So there's five, five love languages, which is very important to know because what if someone's love language is different, acts of service, or there could be, you know, affirmation. You have to know what, what they want. Just because you love them doesn't mean they want to be loved in that way. Now, if I asked you, what, what's, God lo what's God's love language? If you want to love God, what is God's love language? Oh. What is his love language? Wh which is an interesting question. We ask it to, about everyone else around us, but what's God's love language, I think right? he speaks all of them as I understand the five languages. Uh, I don't know about gifts, but sacrifices back in the day were a gift, allegedly. Right, very good. <laughs> um, words of affirmation to say, 
you know, you're the greatest. Yeah, we do say that, right? <laughs> Thank you for the universe. Um, I can't think of a, one of the five languages in that book that it, that it fits. It fits them all. I, I would say I, I would I would say I agree with you. It fits them all, but I would say mainly um, acts of service. <clears throat> well, that too. <laughs> um, because because that's, this goes back to what we're saying is that God pretty much wants a lot of action. That's his love language. But what's very important to understand is when you're understanding someone's love language is not to understand just their language, but to understand that they want to be loved, which is more important. So like this, um, like you see on the screen. Oh. Um, God's desire for a mitzvah makes us relevant. It's important to understand. Um, sorry, over here. It's because um, we're, we totally can't guess God's love language. He has to tell it to us, and that was the action. God told us His love language is acts of service, and also the other ones, but mainly acts of service, and that makes us relevant. Otherwise, we would we wouldn't be able to figure it out. So God told us. So kind of like this. Imagine. Um, a wife tells her husband. She says, "You know what my love language is." Friday night, every Friday night, bring me some flowers, all right? So the husband comes home uh, Friday afternoon before Shabbat, and he says, you know, I was very busy. I had a lot of things to do today. I went out of my way just to get these flowers because you wanted them. I know you learned your love language. Here they are. It was a waste of my time, but here you go. So did he fulfill her love language? Well, he fulfilled the language, but not the love, right? Huh? What? Oh, what? He fulfilled the language, but not the love. The main aspect is missing over there. So, it's so, so similar to it's the same thing, and, and it kind of looks like the dead flowers on the top. Like, oh, you gave me flowers, but it, it's dead, right? Um, the same thing was with God. He kind of says, okay, my love language is action, but it's his love language. He wants the love. He wants the meaning. He wants. He wants. He wants when I when, when he goes ahead and tells us to do something, I come and say, "Here, God, I love you." That's why I'm doing this. All right. And that's why if I if I just do it and there, and there's no love, there's kind of like I did it by accident, a mistake, and I actually wanted to do the opposite, but by luck, by chance, I happened to do what you what you wanted. There's no connection over there. There's no there's no relationship, right? And that's why it's so important the, the intention because we're building the relationship with God. All right. Um, and that's really the meditation behind every action, every mitzvah. And that's why meditation is number one in Judaism. Number one. Number one on the list. Because that, the language without the love, is, it has no value. All right? Uh, feeling the connection. I would say it in this was feeling the connection to action, to words, to everything, feeling the connection. Feeling the connection, sorry? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, connection. sure. Exactly. It's, right. it's, it is a right. meditation. Yeah. So this would be the be yeah, this would be an easy intent that I could do behind any any mitzvah. Any any mitzvah, you name it. I could just say, Hey, the reason why I'm doing this is because I love you God and this is what you want me to do, you know, so I'm gonna do it. Um and what we see over here is that the deeper the feeling, that's the greater impression on my wife or on God, right? Um Right? The more love, the more value that language has, right? So intention is crucial over here, right? That's how I'm building the connection. And it's kind of like a marriage. Um, so Jason, would you like to read for us text four on page 187? Sure. This is the inner significance of the blessing recited prior to performing a mitzvah. Blessed are you who sanctified us 
Kedushanu with his mitzvot. In Hebrew, the term Kiddush means both sanctification and betrothal. Through performing a mitzvah, we are bound to God like a, like a man betrothing his wife for the sake of being intimately united with each other. As the Torah states regarding the bonding of the first human couple, he shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. When we study the Torah or perform a commandment, we achieve a similar, indeed, an infinitely deeper and truer unity between our soul, along with all of its elements in God's absolutely infinite light. All right, so, uh, yeah, so when we make a blessing, like see on the screen, um, thank you, Jason, for reading that. Um, before any, before a lot of a lot of mitzvot actually have a blessing before them, not just um, eating food, but also different like lighting menorah. Uh, what am I doing? It's like a marriage, like you see on the screen. So the idea is that sanctification means betrothal, like Jason read, right? It's that's is a marriage happening over here. There's a, there's a, there's a love language story, um, and and I think if we um, sit and meditate this about about this concept, it's it's really it's really crazy. It changes the whole attitude to any action I do, right? And we're gonna play a little meditation about that now. So, enjoy. Pleasant thoughts can instill joy. Your imagination can conjure up many beautiful things, and yet it can't match reality. The actual experience in real time, in real life, surpasses imagination. Gently close your eyes and become aware of how powerful your imagination is. Conjure up a picture of yourself flying through the air with ease, comfortably, like a bird. The imagination allows you places and experiences that are beyond the laws of nature because imagination comes from a very profound spiritual source. Bring to mind someone you love profoundly, a child, a spouse, a good friend, Whichever. Become aware of their absence. They are away from you. Perhaps on a holiday. Perhaps living in another city. In your mind, give them a hug. Embrace them. How does that feel? Doesn't it feel wonderful? And yet, 
you were to meet them personally, one on one, and embrace them in reality, would not that be even much more powerful? That's why when people are absent and our connectedness is breached, we yearn and want their presence. And when they are with us, we can create that presence, the wonderfulness of being truly one. Imagine the thought of doing a mitzvah. Saying a nice word to someone who needs encouragement. And yet, all the good intentions don't measure up to actually saying it in real time, in real life. do a mitzvah in real time and real life, we embrace Hashem, we touch what we call Atmos, the very essence of godliness, make a personal commitment after this session to experience an embrace of God through doing a very real mitzvah. Any, other, any questions, I guess, before we go further to the next half of this uh, journey? Yeah, we might be getting to this, but you know, I feel like that there are times where, like, let's just say, the uh, simplements of say nebracha over food before you eat. You know, and if you're running, you know, as I often am between meetings at work and you have 15 minutes to eat lunch, and you sit down and you say the bracha and eat lunch, and it's like you weren't really very intentful about the saying the blessing, and, you know, I mean, I guess it's just sort of getting back to the question of, like, does that, what, what still counts as a mitzvah, but then, like, how do you, how do you actually, how do you actually cultivate that mindfulness in practice? And when you're busy. Right, I mean, it's easy to say, you know, let's, we should perform it with more mindfulness and attention to connect to God. Yeah. But then, like, if that in you know, the busyness of our lives and the nitty gritty, like, how do you create that space? I think that's a lot of, a lot of what I struggle right. with. Right. Um, which, which is, I think, a, a fair, normal struggle. And I agree with you 100%. Um, in regards to actually fulfilling the mitzvah, the level of intent that is required is just an awareness of what's what you're doing, not like deep, meaningful connection, etc. That we discussed. 
But what I would take away from this would be once a day to think about what I'm doing right now, how does it have real meaning, real value. To do, to do this, I guess, every single time I do a mitzvah is a little, a little hard, a little, right. and sometimes impractical. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine myself, not imagine myself, it's, it's just true. Like, I'm nothing compared to the Creator. And I'm being able to eat whatever I want, do whatever I do, like, uh, um, to, I should be grateful for that. Each time I took a bite of anything, like, to try and to start and eat something, I'm comparing myself, what am I? And that helps me right. to feel the gratefulness. Okay, so you do that all the time. <laughs> You're ahead of the game. <laughs> we should learn from you. Just to follow up on what Jason was saying. All right. It's not just that we cannot have intention. It can get worse than that. We can do the mitzvah, have the intention, all the wonderful feeling, and then in comes the resentment. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, he took away my time, and is he going to keep coming back and have it? And then before you know it, the whole thing's in the toilet. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Meaning we, we <laughs> the next second, we kind of say, out like, uh, the whole thing was valueless. <laughs> Not only that, it was annoying. Right, right. <laughs> and, do, and does that take away from the previous moment? I don't think so. Okay. Moment is a moment. All right. Just like I said, an action is an action. Right. It's, it's all divine providence. So those people who walked by the shore and heard the, the shofar, yeah. that was supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen. And they were supposed to hear it. But they didn't intend to hear it. That's what we're going to do. That has to be a basic level of like awareness of what's happening. If they, if they thought it was like a trumpet and it's beautiful noise and someone's playing trumpet, you know, that doesn't, it doesn't work. They just, they're just the basics that there's a, a shofar, some sort of Jewish ritual that's happening that we have to be doing on this day. And I'm listening to that. That's, that would be enough. My argument would be that it's a cosmic event to blow the shofar. Cosmic? But it no. could be divine providence to remind them that they should have, you know. Oh, or, uh, right. Or isn't right. that a nice sound? Right. So Where the question. Coming from? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that could lead to, you know. No. It doesn't have to. If it doesn't lead to anything, was there value in that in that in that situation? That's the question. So there must be value. The question is, what is it? I don't, I don't know what it would be. But I agree with you that there must be some sort of value that happened over here because of the concept of divine providence, etc. Whatever. I don't, I don't want to go Okay, fine. Um, okay, now, now we're going to go a totally different track. All right? Um, and this is going to be really cool. Because so far we decided that mitzvos require meditation and the purpose for the mitzvos are the connection. That's why they require meditation. Now we're going to go and switch it all around and say that the mitzvos are the meditation. Not that they require meditation, but the action is the meditation. But a different meditation than we said till now. Till now we're going with the meditation of connection. This is a different meditation that's happening. And that is just by doing the action, even without any awareness, without zero, zero mind. And this is really cool. 
because we're going to discover how really these actions will change our heart and our feelings just by doing it, just by getting into the rhythm. Um, and the question is how? So we're going to discover that in text five. So Emil, would you like to read uh, text five on page 189? Sure. <clears throat> Our sages state that the mitzvot were given only to refine the person. The purpose of the mitzvot is not to benefit God, but rather to benefit humankind, to keep them safe from harm, to, to shield them from negative beliefs and base character traits, to remind them of the miracles and wonders of the Creator, and to help them know God. The Midrash employs the term Heserif for refining, which usually refers to refining silver. This informs us that the mitzvot refine more mortals in a similar way to the way a silversmith refines silver. Silver refinement is a purposeful task, done for the sake of removing all impurities. Similarly, the mitzvot are designed to remove every powerful beliefs from our hearts, to inform us of the truth, and to enable us to be constantly mindful of the truth. Wow, okay, thank you for reading that. Sure. So, right, so what we see here is like you see on the screen is that they're really for our benefit. They keep us safe from, safe from harm. If you go through different mitzvahs, which we're gonna go through, you see how they keep us safe from harm. They shield us from negative beliefs. They remind us of the miracles of the Creator. And just by keeping us, it gives us the realization about knowing God. And even if, if I'm not doing consciously, here's the key, it happens subconsciously. All these things are happening by getting in the moods Sometimes when you do something, it has a subconscious effect on you. And um, researchers have discussed that. And we'll, we'll get to that into the, in a second about the, the research. Um, first, we'll read uh, also text seven. Ali, would you like to read text seven? Yes, sure. Seven. Uh, and now, my child, I will enlighten you to appreciate the Torah and its precepts. You are influenced by your behavior and your feelings and thoughts consistently follow your actions, whether, whether for the positive or the negative. Your actions have the power to overcome the negative inclination within you, since the attitudes of your heart are influenced by your behaviors. Thank you, Ali. So the attitudes of your heart are influenced by your behaviors. So see on the screen, usually what comes first is you feel good. I really want to do this favor for someone, so I go help them out, give them that donation. I help them with something that they need. That's usually what happens. But what we're learning over here is you can do the opposite. Sometimes I don't feel the mood. I'm going to go do it. And then it creates a happy feeling of giving, which, which is really cool. The question is sometimes when I'm in like in a sad mood, you know, a not giving mood, the question is, should I go through that path of sitting down and getting out of my sadness and which could be a long journey, how to, how to be happy, or maybe go ahead and help someone else. And that will make me a happy person. All right, which could be much faster. This is a much quicker way of turning my moods and feelings over, but it could be a little harder because um, I have to get up and do something, right? Um, and like you see in exercise 6.3 on page 101, uh, you don't have to do this now. You can do this. I advise you to do this maybe later tonight when you feel comfortable. Either you or, or you can do it now. So slouch your shoulders and frown for 10 seconds, and how do you feel? Or you stand tall and straight with a wide smile and arms open wide for 10 seconds, and how do you feel? 
and there's this TED talk by Dr. Amy Cuddy with 64 million views and which I encourage you to watch it which basically she has this whole this whole theory where your action affects your feelings and what, what she says there interesting is that before someone has a big interview what's their positioning usually what's their what's their body position usually they're a little crunched up and a little bit like this or pacing that's that's you know the, before a big interview or a big event what if what if they stood like this you know with con like like they're not feeling confident what if they stood up and you know with a big smile right so the study that she did the research was is that suddenly they felt more confident they were more ready to do what they want to do and just by by putting themselves forcing themselves in that position so what she suggests is go ahead before something important go to the bathroom lock yourself in the bathroom and just stand there like that <laughs> so you know to get your nervousness out of you or whatever um which is really what we're discussing over here because the, the, in the same idea with the mitzvos the mitzvos are the same idea there are actions that are meditations um they change our heart they change our feelings so there's the story that this um this guy turns to the rabbi and he says Rabbi, I don't believe, I don't practice Judaism. You know why I don't practice Judaism? It's because I don't believe in God. So the rabbi turns and says, I, th I think it's the opposite. The reason you don't believe in God is because you don't practice. Maybe, maybe just get in the rhythm and, and then see, see if anything changes. Right? So um, I don't know if that worked for that guy, but that's the idea. And it happens uh, subconsciously, but obviously if it could happen consciously that's much better and the question is what is the benefit of the mitzvahs and that's what we're going to discuss right now let's go to um page 194 193 194 um we'll do one of them we'll just go through maybe one or two of them um actually let's, let's, let's go through one of them so an, an exercise 6.4 on page 193 in the chart below record what you might consider the meditative agenda of the listed mitzvahs the giving charity, honor parents, observe Shabbat. Um, I guess uh, spend like a minute or two thinking think in your mind. What is what is the what is it? What benefit am I am I getting? Not what the other guys get. What benefit am I getting by getting this rhythm of doing this action? Um, how does it change my consciousness, my subconsciousness? Okay, really we don't have to spend so much time on it because we're gonna actually discover the answers uh, right now as we go. So, um, uh, text nine, let's start with charity. We'll, we'll just see a few uh, meditations. Um, Joel, would you like to read about um, charity on text nine? 
Page 194. Sure. The root of mitzvahs lend to the poor, the root of the mitzvah to lend to the poor, is that God desires that his creatures become accustomed to train themselves in the characteristics of kindness and mercy. For these are the praiseworthy characteristics. These are praiseworthy. And through training their bodies to act according to positive traits, they'll be worthy of receiving goodness. For as we explain, goodness and blessing fall exclusively on the good. If it were not for this benefit, God could provide the poor with benefits without it. Rather, out of pure kindness, the blessed God made us his messengers so that we can become meritorious through the process. Thank you, Joe. So, charity is not just for the guy receiving it, it's for us. It, it, it makes you in a giving mood. Um, which we actually do this in the Hebrew school that we have every Sunday. And all the kids go around and they take a penny and they put it in a charity box. And, you know, if, some, if a kid does that um, once a week for, uh, for every, you know, every year of their life, you know, what, what kind of effect does it have them on their view of money, right? Just by asking, hey, put it in charity, take one penny, one penny, put it in charity um, once a week. Um, their, their view on, on, on money changes. You, you, didn't, you didn't tell them anything. You didn't tell them to believe in anything or the importance of helping other people. You just tell them to just go in a program, which is incredible because that, that just doing the action really changes, um, changes our feelings and our approach towards things. Um, let's skip a few. Let's do, I think the interesting one was Shabbat. Like, what does what is, what is, what is Shabbat do to a person? I think that's interesting. David, would you like to read uh, text 11, page 196? The root of this commandment to abstain from work on Shabbat is that we should free ourselves from our occupations to honor the day of Shabbat, thereby instilling within ourselves belief in God's creation of the universe. For this belief is the cord to which every foundation of our religion is attached. All right. So if someone takes one day a week and just doesn't do any work, right? Well, what kind of effect does that have on a person, right? He starts thinking, hey, why am I not doing work eventually, you know? Um, why? Is there, is there more value to this world than just working, you know? Etc. And it brings him to this conclusion, eventually, in, in a subconscious way or conscious, conscious way, that oh, God's creating the world, right? And he told me to rest. Um, and we have that frowning pants. You can read that on your own, or to fill a meditation, mezuzah meditation, and really could do it... Um, the Sefer Echenach really goes through all the 613 commandments and sees how there's a personal benefit to basically every mitzvah. Um, which is really interesting to read on your own. And we're really going to uh, finish off with here because we have something special to show at the end. Um, so these are the different things you see, you see on the screen that we mentioned um, that, that they do. The donation brings kindness. Honoring parents brings gratitude. Shabbat create the world, tefillin brings mindfulness, which you can read on your own, and mezuzah brings spiritual eternity, uh, spiritual eternity to, to, to your mind. But you can read that on your own. Um, the takeaway of everything of everything you read here tonight, tonight I would say the takeaway is like, is like this. Before I do a mitzvah, maybe once a day, um, I don't know how practical it is to do it every time, is that pause and think, what is the meaning of the mitzvah? Am I making a connection to God? Am I benefiting myself in some type of way? And that could change. That could change the action into a different action. And exercise six point five, page one ninety eight. What can I do or contemplate before I perform a mitzvah that that will help me tune into the mitzvah's meditative power? So I guess this this is really the takeaway that each of us should really apply this into our own lives. 
is what personally can I do? What would get me into that framework to actually be thinking in this type of way? And everyone has their own tools, which brings them to certain conclusions to do certain things. So that's something to really walk away to think about. And tonight we have something special. Let's see if this works. All right. Um, it's really only if everyone here is interested. It's a short summary of the entire course, all six courses, in like three minutes. Sure. Beautiful. Yeah? Sounds good? <laughs> okay, so it goes pretty quick. Um, what I would suggest to kind of take away out of these six lessons something would be every time we go through one lesson, um, to think of one thing that resonated with you during that lesson and maybe write it down. Um, I would suggest that or maybe one, every two lessons, think of one thing. Um, and that would be really way to a good way to take home everything that we discussed. All right, so here we go. Um, it might go a little bit fast, but here we go. Lesson one. Do you mind the surprising powers of Jewish meditation? One. Meditation is an authentic Jewish practice that plays a large role in Jewish life. Two, we have control over our feelings and have the capacity to overcome negative feelings and experiences. Three, we have the ability to be in control of our thoughts and can choose what we think about at any given moment. Four, our thinking feeds our emotions. By getting rid of negative thoughts, we cut off negative feelings. Five, Meditating on positive thoughts develops a positive mindset and positive emotions. Six, positive meditation actually impacts the world around us and elicits a positive response from God, which shapes reality for the good. All right, so each lesson is going to have six points, and yeah, this is basically a summary. So here we go, lesson two. Lesson two. Find yourself, reflecting inward to find the divine. One, we are comprised of a body and soul, each of which has a unique character and drive. Two, the body is driven by material gain and the soul by spirituality. We all possess an innate spiritual drive within us that we can come to feel and experience. One way to perceive the spiritual drive of the soul is by distancing ourselves from the immediate distractions of materialism. Seclusion meditation. This is the root of hypotitude meditation. Four, the most effective way to develop our spiritual calling is by learning about and contemplating spiritual ideas. This meditation practice is known as just as we have a soul that gives us life and our true identity, the world has a soul that sustains it and is its most authentic identity. Six, we choose life by focusing on the spiritual content of every experience and valuing the divine potential within it.
All right, lesson three. Lesson three, mastermind, the benefits of divine closeness. One, God is the soul of the world, and his presence animates all of existence. Two, every detail of creation is deliberately designed by God and is formed by a unique expression of his presence in that being. Three, God is with us always, and we can feel his presence. Four, nothing is by chance. Everything that happens is directed by God, and is supposed to happen. Five, everything that happens is an integral part of the master plan of creation. Six, each one of us Every circumstance of our lives is relevant and important to the overall purpose of existence. I think that was the those were the biggest discussions in lesson three about the Holocaust and uh, free choice. That, that was a big one. Okay, lesson four. Lesson four. Mind your time, the purpose and power of the present. One, to overcome the feeling of scattered, focused, we have to slow down in life and be present in each moment. Two, the world is recreated by God every moment with a fresh and unique creative energy. Three, every moment is invested with a unique purpose and is valuable in its own right, not only as a lead up to some future moment. Being fully invested in the present moment doesn't negate our responsibilities to the past and the future. Whatever impact the present can have on the past and the future is part of the purpose of the present and is relevant to this current moment. Five. The units that we use to divide time reflect a change in the divine flow of creative energy. Six, we have to continuously breathe to take in life from the new creative energy that is animating the world at each moment. Each breath is an opportunity to recognize the sacred purpose that God is investing in that moment. Sounding familiar, the clauses? Okay, good. <laughs> good sign. Mind your business. Framing the routine. One, Jewish meditation is action-oriented, designed to deliver practical results in both physical and spiritual well-being. Two, know God all you do is a major axiom of the Jewish value system. It speaks to the notion that everything we do, only the overtly spiritual can be an expression of confidence. Three, eating can be transformed into a mindful spiritual act. On a simple level, this can be achieved by being conscious of the complex journey from our food's origins to our tables. Making a lesson prior to eating brings that mindfulness into focus. Four, 
Bhagavad-Gita, all food possesses divine energy. Being conscious of that and eating only for positive purposes allows us to release that divine energy from the food to transform a mundane act into a divine experience. This too is brought into focus while reciting the blessing prior to eating. 5. Sleep is an opportunity to reboot and refresh. We can imbue it with profound significance if we take stock in the inspiring day. Resolve to perform better tomorrow. Use our nocturnal rejuvenation to bring free past toxicity. 6. Work is not simply a means to an end. Humans choose to work, even when they do not require the money. Rather, work satisfies a basic human need to earn our own success. With proper meditation, we can find God in the mundanity of our daily work routine. All right. Lesson six, mind and matter. The influences of meditation on practice and of practice on meditation. One. Although Judaism emphasizes action over all else, the active performance of the mitzvot have a meditative quality too. Two, mitzvot as acts of service to God bridge the divide between mortal mankind and the infinite God, and mitzvot serve to establish a relationship with God. Three, this meditative intent motivates mitzvot performance is what makes them meaningful. Mitzvot also personally benefit from the person performing them. Five, our actions and behaviors shape our mindsets and attitudes. Six, each mitzvah serves as a meditative function to shape our moral and spiritual perspectives and to develop positive attitudes. Uh, thank you everyone for joining. Thank you. And yeah. here is the preview of our upcoming course, which will take place at a decided date that I have not decided yet. This is short, don't worry. This is the Torah. And this is the Torah. The Torah scroll contains the five books of Moses, which Moses transcribed 3,300 years ago. But then there are these hundreds of thousands of books, written by many hundreds of sages over the course of the 100 generations from Moses to today. It's not just commentary on the first five books. These are numerous universes, each revealing a world of knowledge within the Torah itself. They touch on every aspect of our lives. From the hidden workings of cosmic realms to the nitty-gritty of everyday life, they ask important questions. They paint the complete story of our neighborhood and provide tiny windows into our own souls. Now, you can experience the Torah like ever before. Take an immersive ride through this living library and discover how these works came to be, why they're so crucial, and their revolutionary impact on life today. Join us on the smartest journey you've ever been on.
Alright, who's joining? Okay. Um, yeah. Um, exactly. So I'll send. What? Alright. Okay, fine. Um, yeah, so it's going to go through um, the, all the authors of, of from the Torah all the way through Halakha, Chassidus, Philosophy, Mishnah, Nivim, Ksuvim. What are these books? Who wrote them? And what are they about? So it's like a whole overview of everything. Which is really cool. Um, Rambam. What? Rambam. And the Rambam. Very good. Yeah, the Mishnah Torah. Like, who was who was he, and what's it about? What did it contribute? Um, will be really interesting, and I'm excited personally. And one favor I ask of everyone is to um, take a piece of cake home. And the other favor would be is that I'll send. Um, if it's okay with everyone, I would like to send a feedback uh, email. Uh, where I would appreciate like really um, honest uh, feedback. If this was what you were looking for, this was not what you were looking for, um, you enjoyed it, what did you not like about it? Most importantly, what did you not like? I would appreciate that. Um, and then, yeah, at the end of the email, I'll have like a special discount code for the next course for everyone here. So, um, but yeah. But thank you for coming, and now your time. Any questions on the entire course before we close it? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. 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 Thank